the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance, with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. I am Chris Murray, your host. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. Uh, looking forward to this program with you today. We uh, have some interesting top stories, economic data, and also joining me in just a little bit, Mr. Bill Dunkelberg. He is the chief economist for the National Federation of Independent Business, the NFIB. Uh, that report came out uh, this week, their latest report as far as the uh, optimism index for small business. And um, he's going to join us to talk about that report, break it down, let us know how things are going for the backbone of, uh, of this country. And that, of course, being the small business owners uh, and shops uh, all across the United States of America. Looking forward to talking to uh, Mr. Dunkelberg in just a little bit. Well, you know, quite a bit uh, going on uh, inside the Beltway this week when it comes to uh, a really potential impact. Um, it's almost a sure thing. I don't. I say potential just to to, to be nice about it. But you've got a lot of people that uh, are on the uh, uh, kind of on the pedestal, looking for nominations, head nods. Um, We saw some of that this week. Biden is naming two top economic advisors to his uh, his his, uh, you know, kind of his inner circle, if you will, um, as the White House tries to handle this uh, economy going forward. Those going out the door obviously go out. um, I mean, all they can say is I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But they have nothing to brag about. We look at the economy, the economic data, the job situation, the inflation numbers, the um, the debt, and all these other things. Um, it's being spun, of course, in the classic political fashion that things are better. Uh, but people know that that's just not true, um, especially the hardworking men and women of this country um, who just refuse to listen to that nonsense uh, keep their shoulder to the wheel and keep this country humming. Um, and God bless them for doing that. So anyway, Biden uh, Biden is nominating uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lael Brainerd to direct his National Economic Council. So she wanted to be uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, um, didn't get that nod because Jerome Powell was uh, a, a good boy and uh, did exactly what the administration wanted him to do um, when inflation was going sky high, and that was nothing. So he was reappointed, so that makes him a happy camper. Uh, it you know, made, I'm sure, Miss Brainerd unhappy. But now she's getting a trip to the White House to direct that uh, National Economic Council, which in the past has still been a pathway to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve if um, Biden or some other Democrat was elected uh, to the White House again. Also, uh, he's nominating his longtime buddy, Jared Bernstein, to sit as chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Um, So, uh, you know, again, you've got all this uh, instability when it comes to the economy and to the jobs market, to the financial markets. And he's just bringing in the same old tried and true, but not really successful people. I mean, Brainerd, for example, was around during the Clinton administration. So she worked as a deputy director for the National Economic Council. She was also uh, involved in uh, or at, I should say, the uh, Treasury during Obama's administration. So you see these people in politics that are just literally recycled. They're, you know, there's just wash, rinse, repeat. It's just wash, rinse, repeat. They don't know how to function outside of uh, taxpayer uh, support. And they just love being, uh, you know, in the, the government and to have their personal drivers and to have their personal security and to be invited to certain parties and to have certain briefings. So when they lay in bed at night, when it's all quiet, I'm sure they can tell themselves these these rubes, they have no idea what I know because I was briefed on something pertaining to national security or whatever it may be. Well, guess what? 
So could everybody else around you. So quit trying to make yourself feel special. How about this? How about do the right thing and not the political thing and not worry about, um, you know, the, 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 the baby bottle nipple that you can't get yourself off of as a government official or appointee or whatever it might be. So anyway, we'll keep an eye and see how uh, supposedly things are going to improve with these two new people uh, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Also, we saw Daniel Werfel. He's uh, Biden's nominee to be the next IRS commissioner. How about that? And he was sitting before the U.S. Senate Finance Committee this week saying that if he's confirmed as the IRS commissioner, he's not going to expand tax audits on businesses and households making less than $400,000 per year. So how's how's that sound? Well, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And, of course, we hear that all the time. And during the Obama administration, we saw the uh, the abuses, the mismanagement of Lerner and other people at the IRS where they do, in fact, weaponize the agency and use it to uh, skirt around Congress if they can't get what they want, target certain groups. Hmm. I didn't think that was supposed to happen in America, but it's happened. We saw it documented. Uh, no one was really held accountable. But again, we know them for what they really are, even though they're gone. So you've got $80 billion in additional funds that were part of the ridiculously named Inflation Reduction Act. That's the most foolish name probably that's ever come out of uh, Washington as far as uh, legislation, how it was uh, named versus what was in it. And um, that $80 billion is going to the IRS for 87,000 new IRS agents, it's been said, as well as uh, other um, things at the IRS. So you have to wonder, why do you need so many more agents? And by the way, here's something for you. They're not going to go after the little people, right? The hard workers, the the blue and gray collar people. They're going to go after... Um, the 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 rich and famous, the billionaires, people on their yachts, the John Kerry's um, in their personal jets, Al Gore jetting around. Right, they're not going after any of them. As a matter of fact, in January, a joint study of economists at Stanford University, the University of Michigan, the University of Chicago, and the Treasury Department found. This is coming from Stanford, University of Michigan, University of Chicago, all right? Way, way liberal art colleges. I mean, just to the bone. And then the Treasury Department is involved. What did that joint study tell us? It found that black taxpayers are as much as 4.7 times more likely to be audited by the IRS, All right, so how do you spin that? If it was one, if it was just Stanford, you'd say, okay, you know, we'll talk about it. But wait, Stanford, Michigan, University of Chicago, and the Treasury Department under Obama right now with Janet Yellen? Black taxpayers are as much as 4.7 times more likely to be audited by the IRS? Hmm. I wonder how many of those uh, black taxpayers make under $400,000 per year. And yet they're 4.7 times more likely to be audited. Obviously, that doesn't doesn't match up, does it? A separate Syracuse University study learned that fewer millionaires were the recipients of IRS audits in fiscal 2022. Low-income families, however, faced what Syracuse, their study termed as, quote, unbelievably high audit rates, unquote. Shame on you. Shame on you, you liars and you targeters. You're going after people that can't defend themselves, that can't get a good accounting firm, good tax lawyers. And you say, this guy Werfel says, you know, again, he's saying it. Doesn't mean he has to do it. He's just trying to get appointed, right? He's trying to get approved, pushed through. So they say all these things. They get in there. They do just the opposite. 
um, and they hurt the country overall. But, of course, while doing that, they hurt the individual citizens, the hard workers of this country that don't care about government handouts, right? They're actually told where to put that back to the government. They care about getting up, working, having dignity, pride, not needing the government 99% of the time. Look, the government, keep us safe. That's what we want. That's your job. And God bless all the law enforcement officials, the first responders. Thank you. Because that's one thing that, I mean, I have all the faith in the world that if, uh, you know, if I had an emergency or my family or anybody around me or just somebody I don't even know, they're going to be there putting themselves at risk. And I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. The rest of the garbage, you know, again, services. I don't need your services. Most people don't. Well, what if they're poor? The poor need you don't care about the poor. If you cared about the poor, you'd lower taxes overall so people could keep more money, take it home, and use it the way that's best for them. I don't need you. We don't need government overreach. We don't need more government. We don't need bigger government. We need less. And you know that in your heart of hearts. If it's not too hardened, then you do know that, but you don't care because you're too self-serving. So you tell yourself something different in your mind. Here's another good example. The Biden administration uh, outlined how a, quote, green bank, unquote, again, false, uh, false conversation in general, will provide nearly $27 billion in funding to help finance projects aimed at combating some whatever kind of climate change uh, is popular for the day that they can get a hook into your lip to make you think that it's real and that it's important. Now, fortunately, you've got fiscal conservatives and skeptics like the people that have listened to this program over the last 25 years um, know that that's just garbage. And we see that as being just fraud and waste for the most part. So this uh, so-called Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, which was created as part of that $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act, um, will be tasked with facilitating investments in so-called clean projects. So you've got the EPA, which, again, we have a terrible secretary there in Granholm, terrible, pathetic, Not even, you know, you know how late she is to the party in East Palestine? I mean, embarrassing. Just as embarrassing as a governor there. And FEMA and Biden, who's who, you know, I mean, this happened back on the 3rd of February. This is serious. I mean, what would happen if a local resident took a couple uh, 55-gallon barrels filled them with water that we see that are rainbow now with whatever the heck is in it from the chemical spill from the uh, rail tracks, take it down, pour it in um, some other congressman or Biden's Delaware house or whatever. What do you think is going to happen then? I bet you they would care. That outside town, again, blue collar, gray collar, backbone of America, they don't care about you. So you've got the EPA saying back to, excuse me, back to this um, uh, so-called greenhouse gas reduction fund. They're going to hand out $20 billion in grants and uh, for projects. And then you've got $7 billion that's going to states and local governments for solar projects and other uh, wasteful spending. So, you know, uh, I saw Congressman Palmer, a guy out of Alabama, was saying he plans to propose a bill to repeal the fund, asking, will this $27 billion slush fund lower the cost of heating for these American families? The answer is no. It's going to be more expensive with unproven, unreliable technology. And um, that's why they won't have an open, full-fledged debate on this. Because they'll lose. Because who does it hurt the most? It definitely not the uh, the the globe. That's all baloney. 
Who it hurts the most is the poor, those on fixed income, the single moms, uh, the people that they supposedly say that they want to help. And not help in a genuine way. They want to help you by handouts. They want to keep you addicted to their help. That's not real help. Then we have the International Monetary Fund has called for stronger climate change propaganda as well. Um, But uh, you know what happened? The United Nations, which is a joke. But, hey, let me tell you, you know what our contribution is to the United Nations? $117 billion. And then there's another $44 billion that supplements uh, quota resources. $117 billion, $44 billion and counting. That's just what we know about. The United States is the biggest um, provider to the budget of the International Monetary Fund, just like the World Bank. That's your tax money. So they're trying to, again, this, this whole takeover is uh, really uh, circled around the climate because they feel like they can confuse people, mislead them, lie to them, um, mess around with numbers. Again, if they're measuring the temperature, is it surface temperature? Is it satellite temperature? They can make things. When did they start? Well, let's start from the coldest period that we have on record, say, of, uh, of, of a temperature. And then let's look at it now. Oh, my gosh, it's gone up. It's crazy. The world's going to end. But obviously that already happened, what, 10 years ago. Oh, and I heard Miami's underwater totally. Oh, that didn't happen two years ago like it was supposed to be. But anyway, they keep doing that. And um, they're using this climate uh, lie to try to take over as much as they can, including the International Monetary Fund. The problem was the International Monetary Fund surveyed 30,000 people in 28 countries on four continents. And what they realized was most respondents do not want or were reluctant to accept costly solutions for the things that they said were going on. Boy, that had to hurt. That had to hurt. I mean, that hurt worse than knowing my tax dollars were behind it, and so were yours. But that really had to hurt the IMF. That blew up right in their face. I'm surprised that that word got out. So whoever um, whoever made that happen, thank goodness for you. Really appreciate it. Um, Because, you know, you've got... The IMF spending money on a, you know, a survey for 30,000 people on various continents. And at the same time this week, we learned that overall household debt balances are now $2.75 trillion higher than at the end of 2019. That's the last year before the virus made its way here from China. Credit card balances saw a $61 billion increase in the fourth quarter which is the biggest jump in the history of the data services, which goes back to 1999. People are, it's costing all of us more for everything. And they don't get it. And those that do don't care. If you really get it, again, we would go back to providing as much energy, not just only for us, For the entire world, if we're going to help people, one of the best ways to do it is through affordable, reliable energy. And we do it the best, most inexpensive and safest way on the planet. And they're blocking it as much as they can. Heard more blocks uh, uh, from the governor of uh, Alaska this week that he's got they've got to deal with there with this uh, corrupt uh, administration. You want to help people, first help the American citizen, then help the world citizen. And the way you can do that, like I said, is with energy. That's just one way. And then obviously get out of the way with all the new, um, on top of all the old restrictions when it comes to food production. I don't know, you know, that's just a whole new evil right there that I'm really not understanding but um it's it's real and uh, we need to be aware of that and uh, we need to keep all that in mind when we go to uh to the polls and not pay attention to um the nonsense 
coming from uh, these commercials and various stories. So quick break. When we come back, got some economic data for you. Soon, NFIB chief economist. Stay tuned. Fox on Faith with Lauren Green. Are angels actually extraterrestrials? And are they living among us? Extraterrestrial in the sense that, unlike us human beings, they're not constrained by the laws of physics. Dr. Hugh Ross, founder and director of Reasons to Believe, is an astronomer and physicist who makes the case for angels being extraterrestrials, that while humans live in three spatial dimensions and one time dimension, scientists know there are more dimensions in the created order. Maybe you've got a causal agent beyond space and time that created the universe, that causal agent could create other things outside the universe and even grant them the power to come into the universe and enter the human realm. So it's certainly scientifically plausible. Ross also gives evidence that the Bible affirms this as well. For the New Testament, you have Paul saying he was taken up to the third heaven, which means he was taken outside of the space-time dimensions of the universe. And that's the realm where the angels can operate. To hear more, go to Lighthouse Faith Podcast at foxnews.com. For Fox on Faith, Lauren Green, Fox News. Got Alexa? Just say open or start WFMD. And you'll hear your local news and free talk radio station. That is sweet. Got Alexa? Just say load or run WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, check it out there. You can re-listen. You can share. A lot of feedback from um, uh, last week's uh, discussion with uh, Riley Gaines about the, uh, again, total insanity when it comes to uh, guys acting like they're pretending like they're girls. Uh, and getting into women's sports and even more frightening and dangerous and perverted into locker rooms and bathrooms. So um, she was a wonderful person. Uh, She's really doing a fantastic job out there representing and protecting the uh, girls and young ladies um, with uh, what they have to deal with and to make sure that they get, I think, you know, the best opportunities in a safe environment as possible. So um, thanks for that feedback. So, you know, I was talking about um, that record debt in the uh, uh, in the fourth quarter. And even though we have inflation, which I'll get to in a minute in more detail, we actually saw that retail sales were up uh, 3% uh, last month from December. So, which is good because November and December we saw a decline in retail sales. So, um, obviously, they were saying there was some front loading prior to the Christmas shopping season. Things cooled off, and then we saw another pop in um, in January. Perhaps people, you know, going after some sales, some discounts, uh, taking advantage of those types of things. But you know. It's also when you look at the cost, inflation is something nobody can get away from um, as far as those that provide for themselves and their families. There's nowhere to hide. Um, People obviously have become much better at budgeting, um, at making sure that if there's a coupon or a discount available, perhaps they'll seek that out. They're looking at off-brand type of labels to save some money. Um, so, you, you know, changes have been made the last, well, two plus years now. Uh, this is self-imposed by overspending from this current administration, also by excessive money supply, by this current Federal Reserve. Um, and it just continues to be a problem. So it was just horrendous in the middle of last year. But even now, we learned this week, we got two reports. We got the CPI and the PPI. So we saw the consumer price index was up 6.4% in January from where it was a year ago, which it was already up a year ago. Now we're 6.4% over that. Um, And it's just this elevation of costs for 
everyday items. These are staples. We're not talking about a trip to the Bahamas. We're talking about bread and eggs and butter and, uh, you know, chicken, apparel, rent. These are things that people, energy, right, gas. People can't get away from that. Again, people that take care of themselves and provide for themselves and their families. They can't get away from that. They've got to pay that extra cost. 6.4% year over year, the half of a percent rise month over month, both of those hotter than what economists were looking for. You have the administration saying inflation's coming down. Guess what? Inflation, the target is 2%. Don't give us it's coming down. Right? Supposedly, it's been coming down for the last seven months. People, literally, everybody you talk to, I'm paying more for almost everything that I have to pay for. The PPI, the producer price index, that's the wholesale level before it makes its way to you and I as a consumer. You know, the business owner, we'll talk about this in a minute, uh, but the business owner has to decide, are they going to pass those costs on to you? Are they going to eat those costs, uh, additional costs, the, the inflation? Are they going to split it? Are they forced out of business? What's the, what, what's the answer? But we saw that the PPI, the producer price index, was up also 6% month over month, 7 tenths of 1%, both hotter than economists were looking for. So... There's nowhere to hide. Now you've got the supposedly the Federal Reserve reengaged saying, yeah, well, you know, we're going to raise rates more at the next meeting than what we planned to originally. Um, so buckle in because those higher costs, they're, they're coming to a lot of people. Remember that credit card debt I talked about? Guess what's going to happen to credit card interest rates? Guess what's going to happen to mortgage rates? Guess what's going to happen to auto loan rates and on and on and on, all because of mismanagement, because the government is in the way and refuses to get out of the way. And it's really a shame. But you know what? We're going to talk about the importance of the small business owner, how they're dealing with this. The NFIB report came out this week. We're going to talk with the uh, chief economist for the NFIB and get you some real details. Stay tuned. is the News Radio 930 Week in Review. Legislation to deal with the refusal of health insurance companies to pay for medical treatments is before the Maryland General Assembly. The bill is sponsored by Frederick County Delegate Ken Kerr. He said it's not uncommon for a doctor or dentist to write out an order of medical procedure and your insurance company refuses to cover it. Kerr says the patient can appeal the decision and that often takes time. He said the bill will undergo a hearing on Thursday. Sometimes the patient becomes unstable, uh, resulting in a hospitalization or in the case of at least one patient that we're going to hear on Thursday from a physician, the patient died. The legislation would set up requirements and prohibitations for insurance companies when it comes to reviewing a patient's request. The Frederick County Legislative Delegation is in support of a bill allowing some alcoholic beverages to be served at axe-throwing venues. During a meeting last week, lawmakers approved a measure which grants these businesses such as Stumpy's Hatchet House a license to serve beer and wine but no hard liquor. The local venue already allows patrons to bring their own booze for personal consumption. Delegation Chair Jesse Pippi says these venues are not as chaotic as they sound. The bays, the hatchet-throwing bays, are kind of off from each other. And so it's not like they're just everyone standing in a room throwing hatchets at each other. One legislator raised concerns about alcohol being served in venues where hatchets are being thrown. Kevin McManus, WFMD News. WFMD's Week in Review. 
Fox News, I'm Karen McHugh. This week marks one year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began. When or how this war will end is anyone's guess. We would like to see it end now. Um, and certainly we want to see it on end, uh, end on terms that are satisfactory to the Ukrainian people and to President Zelensky so that they remain a whole, free, sovereign, independent state. National Security Spokesman John Kirby on Fox News Sunday. President Biden's expected to travel to Poland later this week. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with his Chinese counterpart while attending the Munich Security Conference Saturday. The subject was spy balloons. How'd that go? Secretary Blinken had a very forthright, very uh, candid exchange with uh, the foreign minister of, of China and made clear, laid bare uh, our deep concerns about what they did with this spy balloon. John Kirby on Fox. America is listening to Fox News. The 930 WFMD Skyscan forecast for Frederick and the surrounding counties for your Sunday afternoon. It'll be mostly cloudy, high about 55, partly cloudy tonight, low 40. Tomorrow for Monday, Washington's birthday, a slight chance of rain after 1 p.m., partly sunny, high 58. Cloudy on Monday night, low 37. Tuesday, it'll be partly sunny, a 30% chance of rain, and a high of 58 chance of rain on Tuesday night, cloudy, low 42. PJ's Roofing, when it comes to your roof, they have got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Jim Tice. You can listen to 930 WFMD on all devices on the WFMD app, a service of Frederick Air. It's a good call. Download it at the Apple App Store or Google Play. On the road, just add it to your presets on your desktop, tablet, or mobile phone at WFMD.com. On Alexa, wherever you are, whenever you want. It's free on all devices. 930 WFMD. It's Regency Furniture's President's Day mattress sale. Save up to $1,600 on our exclusive Atlantic bedding adjustable sets and other top brands like Tempur-Pedic, iComfort, and Beautyrest. Plus, up to 60 months financing and rapid delivery. Visit RegencyFurniture.com for the store nearest you. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. You can re-listen to today's program or any program. Uh, and uh, also, if you want to share it, feel free to do that. Um, and really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, joining me, it's been a couple years, but joining me again, a friend of the program, Mr. Bill Dunkelberg. He is a chief economist for the National Federation of Independent Business, the NFIB. Uh, he's nationally known. You've seen him, heard him, read the uh, stuff that he's penned. Um, he has a BA, MA, and PhD uh, in economics from the University of Michigan. And uh, Mr. Dunkelberg, it's good to have you back. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So I guess we'll start, um, you know, the NFIB program. We spoke about that here on uh, or, or on the station, different program. I talked about it earlier this week when it came out. Um, give our listeners a little bit of education as how uh, as to how to you you do the survey, the number of businesses involved in it, and like an example of a question, that type of thing. Sure. <clears throat> well, NFIB has about 300,000 member firms, and uh, this is the 50th year that we have taken a random sample of the membership and sent them a questionnaire uh, with a lot of inf- you know, issues uh, addressed. We asked them about employment, capital spending, uh, inventories, uh, job openings, hiring, uh, inflation, raising prices, uh, all, all that kind of stuff, sales trends, profit trends. So <clears throat> we asked them uh, about those things every month and, uh, of course, put out a monthly report. And our major reports come out on the, on the, uh, from the first month of each quarter. So January, April, July, and October are our big surveys. So we had about 
1,500 respondents in the January survey, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to let all of our listeners know, especially those in um, in business and in management uh, in particular, you can go to NFIB.com and get more information on the National Federation of Independent Business. A lot of great material there uh, available uh, at no cost. Also, if you want to become a member uh, and uh, be more, I guess it's more cohesive a lot of times if you're involved in these types of, uh, of, of, um, of, of groups where you have people to talk to and to relate to and, and to discuss certain, certain things in the, the business, uh, especially the small business world. So um, if you would, Mr. Dunkelberg, just give us, I guess, an overview before we get into the, uh, the weeds a little bit of the report. What's the current state of of small business in America? Yeah, well, currently, uh, they tell us that they're not real happy. Um, <clears throat> we have the optimism index that we create, which has 10 questions in it, 10 components. Uh, the, the the 50-year average of that is 98. Um, we haven't been um, anywhere close to that since uh, 2022, early 2022, uh, so the current reading was 90.3. That's a long way from uh, the 98 points. And uh, they're, they're, so that's kind of that's uh, based on a 50 year history. If you pl- do a plot of it all, that's a recession level reading. And that's something that's being talked about a lot. Uh, some people feel like we're in a recession. Uh, some folks are talking about, you know, a recession later in 2023, some in early 2024. But uh, that's interesting, your comment right there, that, uh, uh, you know, your small business owners, uh, based on their response to the questions of your survey, uh, don't feel optimistic at all. No. Uh, one of the questions, one of the 10 questions is, uh, six months from now, do you expect the business conditions to be better or worse than they are today? <clears throat> we look at the net percent, so we take the percent who say better and subtract the percent who say worse. Um, and so in January, that was minus 45 percent, minus 45 percent. Almost nobody said better. Everybody said worse or no change. That's not very good. That's a very bad uh, reading for uh, in terms of how well the economy is going to be doing. Yeah, that's a very sad outlook. And uh, I, I know, you know, I understand the medium and large businesses out there have deep pockets. They have uh, access to uh, the capital markets and lo- big lines of credit and lobbyists and all the other stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe they sing a little bit of a different tune. But what I have always paid attention to was, first and foremost, the small business owner, because they seem to have the true, uh, the, their finger on the pulse, if you will, of the American consumer. Yeah, well, most of our gross domestic product, which is the total value of goods and services we produce in a year, most of it is sold by small businesses. Uh, I mean, you don't buy an F-150 pickup from Ford. You buy it from a very a local dealer. Uh, and the dealer, of course, sends information back to Ford, says, I need more trucks or I don't, or I have too many trucks or blah, blah, blah. But that's, uh, you know, it's really the, the local firms that uh, end up uh, distributing our output to us uh, in the small business communities across the country. Main Street is where all the spending happens. Yeah, so let's stick with that for just a second. You talked about the uh, automotive sector. Um, are there certain sectors, uh, based on what you've been seeing the, you know, this month and the last couple months, uh, certain sectors uh, in the small business areas that are doing better than others? Yes, uh, there are. And, of course, it's a dynamic that changes quite dramatically. If you go back, you know, six months, uh, the construction industry was uh, riding high. Uh, And, of course, the Fed started raising interest rates. So mortgage rates went from like 2 percent to 7 or 8 percent. And that really has started putting a real damper on the construction industry. Uh, On the other hand, the, uh, you know, Restaurants, uh, service sector, the labor-intensive uh, sector where lots of people are required to, to provide the service to you, that's doing much better. Um, consumers during the 
during the uh, COVID periods spent more of their money on things, uh, including the F-150s. Uh, but now that uh, the economy seems to have opened up a little bit better, uh, the service sector, uh, professional and non-professional services, they're doing uh, much better. Yeah, and, you know, we actually even saw that overall uh, in the CPI index this week. I noticed that, uh, you know, the bars and the restaurants and other uh, <coughs> areas of the service sector were uh, doing better and actually had a higher level of inflation above that 6.4% that was uh, reported as a headline number. So, like you said, it, I guess it just depends, and it is cyclical, um, the the construction, the housing sector, which is a pillar of our economy, obviously, uh, was doing very well. But all of a sudden, when you double a 30-year mortgage in, you know, about seven, eight, nine months, you're going to have a serious issue there. Yeah. So housing starts are really down dramatically and sales are down. And, uh, of course, that will feed into the rest of the economy over the year. Uh, since a lot of uh, jobs depend indirectly on the on the housing industry. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, one of those things that's worrisome um, because we're seeing that demand destruction uh, so heavily in uh, the housing and how that's going to impact, uh, like you said, the the starts and the construction element and all of the other components of that sector. We'll talk about other sectors on the other side of this break. Um, as well as uh, in this NFIB, the latest uh, survey on optimism, how employers feel about, um, uh, you know, getting workers, just how hard it is um, and what their view and temperament is on that. So stay tuned. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? WFMD with a Fox Sports update from the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Tiger Woods fourth round underway at Riviera in Los Angeles. Through three holes, he is one under on his round, putting him at four under for the tournament. A birdie on the par five first hole, and then he was able to save par out of a bunker on the third hole. John Rahm is the leader entering the final round at 15 under. He holds a three-shot lead when him and the leaders will get going just past 1 p.m. Eastern time. In the NBA, ESPN reports that Kevin Love plans to sign with the Miami Heat. He finalized a buyout with the Cavaliers on Saturday and ultimately chose Miami over the Philadelphia 76ers. In the NFL, a report from ESPN this morning said their own NFL analyst Rex Ryan interviewed for the Broncos' defensive coordinator job a second time on Saturday. He's considered a favorite for the job. Also in contention, former Denver head coach Vance Joseph. Just tell me what's going on. Glad you asked. Just keep it on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there or wherever you get your podcasts. Technology is amazing. Um, So we're uh, wrapping up our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Bill Dunkelberg. He's a chief economist for the National Federation of Independent Business, the NFIB. Go to NFIB.com. Uh, a wealth of information there. It's free. You can become a member, learn more about the organization, know what's going on in the small business uh, community. If you're, you know, into entrepreneurship, if you have your own small business, um, and like I said, you want to educate yourself or get more involved, uh, help yourself, go to NFIB, uh, dot, uh, com or actually NFIB.org, uh, I think as well. So, um, uh, Mr. Dunkelberg, you, uh, you know, or I mentioned right before the break there, I saw in your um, latest survey how small business owners are feeling about employment and uh, being able to hire people. And it's not too good, is it? No, it isn't. Uh, It's interesting. The the two components of the index, two of the 10, 
that, that are keeping it as high as it is, and it's not high. It's, as we said, it's eight points below the average. But the current job openings, almost half of the firms out on Main Street say they have at least one job opening they can't fill. And, and uh, 20% say that they plan on increasing employment, meaning they plan on uh, successfully filling those uh, positions. Uh, of course, in January, we asked them if they were successful, and uh, they, they weren't. They had more firms, <clears throat> pardon me, more firms uh, reduced employment than increased employment in January by, by a small margin. But, uh, and, of course, that's confusing when we see those numbers on Main Street because the government said there were half a million uh, uh, new workers uh, in January, and uh, we can't find them in our data. And uh, nobody else can find them in their data either. The various reports that follow, uh, like the ADP report, expected 110,000 jobs, and 500,000 was ridiculous, um, especially since the uh, total, total number of jobs um, created uh, declined all of the last half of last year down to a very small number in December. So how it jumped to 500,000, we don't know. All the special adjustments they made to the data turned it into a big positive, I guess, just in time for the uh, State of the Union message. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we go back to, I, I don't remember exactly if it was the first or second quarter of uh, last year um, when some revisions were done, we found out in uh, later in 2022 that fewer 1.1 million fewer jobs were added than what they originally reported. So you do have to question uh, the arithmetic at the Department of Labor. Yeah, you've got to wonder about all those adjustments, you know. So it was, uh, if you looked at the January numbers, we were, it was a big, just the raw numbers when they go around and uh, take the surveys and count up heads, it was like minus uh, 200,000. And that got adjusted up to plus 500,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, just in time, probably for some uh, someone to benefit from it, for sure, if not more than one person. So, you know, with all this going on, it's always been the American dream for so many um, people here uh, to want to go out on their own and, and start their own business and, and be an entrepreneur um, based on this type of climate that we have, are you seeing that people are still uh, striving to make that happen or there's hesitancy because of – we know we have more rules and regulations and red tape and nonsense, but is that getting in the way as well as the inflation and, and the economic uh, situation or are people just bowling through it? Well, <clears throat> I think uh... – you know, of course, that, that kind of optimism that we count on amongst our entrepreneurs, uh, we wonder sometimes why they ever uh, try to start a business. But they have a dream, and, and they work hard, and they know that hard work kind of pays off. Um, we ask uh, the, our existing firms if now is a good time to expand their business or not, and almost none think it is. Only 7% said it was. Um, and uh and I expect that all the stuff going on now with with the politics is going to also discourage people from starting. I mean, what can you count on? You know, yeah, taxes that are coming after you. You know, they want to they want to go after all the service workers because they think they're cheating on tips and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the, so the general attitude of the administration. Is not conducive to getting people to take a risk and start a business. Yeah, and that's really a shame. And like you said, thank the good Lord that no matter what, there's still going to be people out there, even young people with all the nonsense and the things that are put in their heads these days. Uh, a lot of them want to get out there and um, and achieve and be successful and, and be proud and have that dignity that comes from uh, creating something that a lot of times employs other people and helps them provide for themselves and their families. So Absolutely. They create jobs. Right, yeah. and. That's what they do. Yeah, and like you yeah. said earlier, you know, over half of uh, the GDP, it comes from these small business owners, and, and people forget that, you know, the GDP and the employment numbers. It's all of these hardworking small businesses 
that, you know, even like you said, with all the headwinds they face, they get up and get the job done every day. Yeah, yeah. Six million employer firms out there, and they're all basically small. Yep. Well, thank you so much for everything you do at the NFIB as the uh, chief economist for putting out this monthly data. Um, And again, folks, uh, I encourage you to go to uh, NFIB.com, and you can uh, get a bunch of information. And hopefully, uh, Mr. Dunkelbird will will circle back around and and be able to, uh, to catch up with you and get another update later down the road. Always happy to do it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And I know you told me you're going to play tennis, so I hope you whoop up on them. <laughs> Thank you. All, All right. right. Take care. You too. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. So seriously, folks, go to NFIB.com. Uh, and remember, and I know most of you do that listen to this program, and we appreciate you so much. Um, you know, support your local businesses, your small businesses. Um, you know, obviously, if they're not acting right with their pricing, go somewhere else or their service. But uh, if you can, support them. Um, and that's uh, we've seen a lot of that uh, as far as a change the last couple of years. And um, and it's a wonderful thing to see, to witness. Um, you know, we talk about different things like um, the food supply uh and how you can get a lot of that local. You don't have to worry about these international companies coming in and buying big American corporations and we being beholding to them. Um, And it's really no different down the whole menu, no matter what it is that you're needing. If you can use a small business um, for it, uh, I would encourage you to do it. So that does it for us. I really appreciate Mr. Dunkelberg joining us. Really a smart man. Been around for a long time, accomplished a ton. And, um, Love small businesses, and uh, I love that about him. So uh, we will talk with you on the Morning News Express. That's myself, Bob Miller, and Ryan Hedrick. I speak with those two guys that are driving the train um, every weekday morning at 550, 650. We have uh, live conversations about what's going on. And then we'll be back here next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. So enjoy the, west, the uh, rest of your weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. 